happening, everyone, on the heels of UFC 278, or should I say what is going to be known as a legendary UFC 278 card. I'm Colby Daniels. That is Will Brewer. We have no UFC fight card this weekend, which usually, I think for the most part, we, we take a week off when that happens. Uh, there have been times where we've had so much to talk about that we've done an episode anyway, but there is no chance in hell I was not going to record a podcast this week on the heels of what I'm going to make the argument for, Will, is the greatest knockout in UFC history. Again, that is Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. What a fight card it was. How are you on this Tuesday, Will? Man, I, I'm still kind of speechless from what happened on Saturday, man. It's that it, the whole thing was just so crazy. And it's it's insane to me, like how much this sport, like how much emotion this sport pulls out of people. Like, um, I'm so happy for for Leon Edwards, the new champion. I'm so happy for him because like the whole story, the guy deserves it. But then on the other hand, I am so gutted and sad about Kamaru Usman. Like he he's, I mean, we'll get into the fight and everything, but like a, a champion that you could be proud of, a guy that was uh that's that was that built this from the ground up champion and everything i mean the emotions like you hear everyone saying like this is why this sport is so crazy this is why we love this sport I, and i and i echo those sentiments like 1000 percent because like the emotions that i felt on saturday into sunday into monday like it's just it's just crazy it, it never stops like every time i see it and it, it's it continues to get crazy so yeah, I, I, I'm definitely. If you would have said, "Hey, there's no, there's no uh, UFC card this weekend. Like, let's take the week off." I would have been like, "Bro, I have so much to say yeah. that we cannot take this week off." Yeah, I mean, I, I probably could have recorded a three-hour podcast at like two a.m. on Saturday night slash Sunday morning, right? Like, I didn't <laughs> sleep. I was up forever. Uh, I was just so charged up from what happened, and like now, like I've had multiple days to digest it all. I've watched that knockout, Will, like I'm not even kidding, at least over 100 times. Just the knockout that was done on Twitter with the Rocky music where it shows all the corner uh, conversations between the rounds and uh, you have the Rocky music going and like I've watched that at least 25 times and every time I do, like I like it more and I get goosebumps every single time. Like um, it is, it, the, the energy and excitement of what happened on Saturday has not worn off yet three days after the, the fight card actually took place. So uh, yeah, I, I echo everything you said. Like it was, uh, it was incredible. It brought forth so many emotions. Like I literally jumped off my couch and I'm pretty sure I just levitated when that thing <laughs> happened. And I'm just like, I, I couldn't sit down for like the longest time after that. Like I was just walking around my living room saying, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit over. Like it was so unbelievable. And, uh, at the same time, like so awesome for Leon Edwards, because we were literally making the joke last week on the podcast, like. I'm still like fingers crossed that this fight happens. We were right. we were texting back and forth as Leon was making the walk, like jo somewhat joking, like I hope he doesn't trip on the stairs, like on his way into the octagon, because that's the amount of bad luck this guy has had. So, um, you know, once they finally like got everybody out of the octagon, locked the door, I was like, finally, okay, now it's gonna happen. And uh, yeah, I was just like so many elements that when that thing ended on Saturday, I was just like, I, I there's no way I'm gonna be able to sleep, uh, and I was just like. I'm still mind blown as to what happened and just all the events that led up to that insane kick to the face, <laughs> the side of the face, man. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm still speechless when it happened. I mean, I admit for some reason, I, of course I'm in shock, mouth open, like, uh, hands on my head, but I immediately just started to think back to 
everything that's happened up to this point. Like, and and I literally, while Leon is celebrating after he after he gets the knockout, I'm literally thinking back to the beginning, like in the the press conference when in 2019 he's in the UK uh, in front of his people, but Darren Till is the guy that they're trying to promote. They get into a little spat and. Leon is now the bad guy. So he gets booed when he's about to fight Gunnar Nelson. He gets booed but when, he, when he's walking out. Darren Till gets knocked out by Masvidal on this card. And then, of course, Masvidal does the three-piece in a soda on Leon on that night. And then, like, from that moment on, it's just been Leon's had bad luck. Masvidal becomes a star. Uh, Masvidal gets all these big fights. Uh, Leon is Leon. Oh, and then the pandemic. Like, the pandemic shuts Leon down, gets him locked up in his house. Uh, he gets pulled out of the rankings because he uh, didn't take the title fight on seven days' notice when he hadn't been training. He he has to fight Hamzat Shemaev like three different times. He's uh, he uh, he said yes to every single time to fight Hamzat, but Hamzat's the one that's had to pull out every single time. And then the last time, Bilal steps in, and then Leon does has the eye poke in a fight that he was looking outstanding in. Then he fights Nate Diaz, and that fight's going perfect for him for 24 minutes. And then Nate Diaz rocks him, so it doesn't even seem like it's a win. And then he's supposed to fight Masvidal, finally, after all this happens. And then Masvidal pulls out at the last minute. So finally, we're here. And Leon pulls this this off against the pound-for-pound king, the guy that seemed like he was unbeatable, uh, the guy who was making a case to be the GOAT. Leon pulled it off. Like, you can't, like, in wrestling, in WWE, you can't script shit like this. Like, this... Like, I don't even know if Vince could script something as good as this. Triple H, all those guys. They can't script something as as good and as perfect as this. Like, this guy in real life has gone through so much bad luck. He's he's FaceTiming his mom on the bus after the eye poke to Bilal, and he's crying like, Mom, man, I like, that, like, that's real. That's legit. And then to see him pull through after all that, I mean, you can't just, like, you the whole MMA world, I don't think I've seen anybody say that they're not happy for Leon. Everybody... That's a, a true MMA fan. Even if you're even if you're a Kamaru fan, you have to appreciate and respect Leon Edwards for what he pulled off. Like it is even just Trevor incredible. Whitman was smiling in the octagon after. Yeah, that, did you see that? That those pictures are like, yeah. oh man, Trevor Whitman is is, yeah. is crazy. <laughs> even after so funny. Gaethje lost, yeah. like he's just smiling. Like I, maybe Trevor just loves his job and he and he respects all these fighters. But yeah, just to see him smile like that, like this guy is insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go back to the Woodley fight. That was supposed to be the one that put him over, right? Like that yeah. was going to be the win that to put it. him over the top. And then COVID happens, and then he's not training. And like you said. Three different times, Hamzat gets canceled. Once because Leon has COVID. Twice because Hamzat had COVID and then still struggling with COVID. The Bilal eye poke happens. And then he dominates Nate Diaz for 24 minutes. And if that fight had gone 30 more seconds, Nate Diaz probably wins the fight, right? Like, Absolutely. that's the crazy part of it. And it just you're, you're, you're on the bad side of, of so many unfortunate events. And, you know, even on Saturday, Will, I thought it was interesting. Like, there were there were people tweeting, like, who is this guy? Not that they didn't oh, know who man. it was, but it was more along <laughs> the lines of, like, Leon is more known for taking the shots from Masvidal and being in survival mode against Nate than maybe anything he's accomplished, right? Like, that's how oh, a lot 1, of people view him. Like, those are the for two sure. things. Like, he survived against Nate and Leon pieced him up or, or Masvidal pieced him up. Those are the two things that a lot of people think about first when you think of Leon Edwards. Um, so... Yeah, I thought it was. I, I I didn't know if the UFC was ultimately going to make this fight. Like I I felt like the way that the Nate Diaz fight ended 
just killed any momentum that Leon had. And I, I really didn't think they were going to give him the fight. Now, I think Kamaru wanted this fight, right? And that's probably why it happened, because uh, Kamaru wanted the fight, because it's a good matchup for him, right? And like we talked about this last week. I felt like this fight was going to be as easy as Kamaru wanted it to be for him. I said, if Kamaru wants to wrestle, I think he can win this fight with relative ease, I think was exactly my phrasing. It'll be somewhat of a boring fight, right? But I think he could win this fight with relative ease if he just decides to wrestle the whole way. Is he as good as Leon in the stand-up? No. But he's also progressed a lot in that department since he's been the champion. So, yeah, like, he, he does have a lot of power. Maybe he could finish the fight on the feet, but you're also allowing Leon to be in his element, right? That's where Leon's most dangerous. So I just thought like, Kamaru's going to wrestle this whole fight and he's going to dominate the fight and that's going to be it, which is pretty much what happened. Now, the chain of events, I think, that makes this fight so fascinating is that Leon wins round one, right? Like it wasn't even close. Like Leon completely won round one. Leon takes down Kamaru for the first time in his UFC career and has him in a triangle, like going for the rear naked choke to close out round number one. And you're like, holy shit, like this is, this is wild. And then for three and a half rounds, Kamaru does what we thought he was going to do, and he just completely dominates the fight by wrestling, while simultaneously, like, at least for me, I don't know about you, but there was a massive level of frustration growing in this fight from the Leon side of things, because in the moments that they were on their feet, there was just so much hesitancy from Leon to just engage, right? Like, he just didn't seem to want to engage Kamaru, and ultimately he would just get taken down, and then Kamaru controls him, Round for Kamaru. Repeat, repeat, repeat. So, like, by the fifth round, I'm just like, this is done. Like, Kamaru's just going to take him down and control him until this fight's over, and Kamaru's going to win an easy 4-1 decision. Like, it's over. Uh, and, look, I don't know how many people thought that Leon had a chance going into the fifth. I absolutely didn't think that there was going to be a chance to win this fight because, A, I thought Kamaru was going to continue to wrestle him, which he had done successfully for three straight rounds. But, B, even if they did go to the feet, like, Leon hadn't shown any sort of aggressiveness in in letting his arsenal go. And finally he does, and you get to see what the hype was about, right? Like, I think I told you last week, I felt like this was the second most dangerous fight for Kamaru in this title run. I felt like Gilbert was the first most dangerous. This is the second, because on the feet, I think Leon is absolutely better. But even in their exchanges in this fight, for the majority of the fight, he just wouldn't let go. He just didn't seem to get comfortable enough to display the weapons, and when he finally did, Will, it results in a in a legendary finish. Man, yeah, um, that first round was was kind of, was shocking. It was it was very reminiscent of Jones Gustafson one when Gustafson took him down. It was the first time Jones had ever been taken down. Um, of course, Gus didn't take his back or anything like that. It was it was, it was shocking to see Kamaru in that uh, in that position, uh, but. Usman being the champion that he is, like he's not. This isn't something that that he's new to. Uh, you can tell he's he's trained and been in these bad positions before because he fought off the chokes very well uh, and he did everything the correct way and was able to survive the round. And I think that pissed him off because round two, round three, round especially round two, he was very uh, aggressive with his pressure, uh, with his striking, and then of course he got the takedowns, uh, and that just translated it into three and four. I think what happens. Uh, with Leon in these in in between these rounds, for one, he's getting he's getting tired because Kamaru's constant pressure, and then the 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 wrestling aspect like that's very draining. And then you're we're in Utah, so like we saw the whole entire night, people just getting gassed. And you and you told me from like the second or third fight, I think that 
these guys are getting gassed. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it was I, just crazy. To you see. could tell it was going to be an issue all night long. Right, right. So, like, I and I think this is the same thing happened to Leon, and if, it didn't happen as fast as it did to others, but it happened to Leon too. And I think, like you said, frustration played a part. But I think when Kamaru's so good at at mixing things up with with striking and and with his wrestling, that you kind of don't. You're kind of on the on the defensive the whole time. I think Leon was on the defensive a lot, trying to really predict what Usman was going to do next. And Usman's so good that he uh, does a really good job of unloading with his hands and then immediately shooting for a takedown. So like, it it, it makes it hard for Leon to to really open up and let loose. So when the fifth round starts, of course you get you got the great corner work. His corner was was spot on and each after each round. Like Those you guys can tell, Leon, absolutely. Uh, you could you could see Leon like not looking them in the eye, like his his body language was just was terrible. Like that the 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 broadcast had every reason to start to write his obituary as they were saying, like to basically write Leon off as the time is ticking down. Leon wasn't doing anything. Uh, his body language suggested that he was mentally checked out. Uh, I don't I don't know, man. I, I mean, his corner did everything that they could, and they fin- finally before the fifth round. They, everything they said to him finally got to him, and Leon was like, "Okay, got to do it." But you know, and I, I've heard a lot of people talk about Usman in the fifth round, how he kind of didn't, how he kind of let off the gas and wasn't pressuring him like that. I feel like people are forgetting the uh, the separation that happened with two minutes left, yeah. uh, the the Herb Dean's uh, separation. I kind of have a problem with that because we've seen so many times of of, of fighters, uh, Khabib. John Jones, even Kamaru Usman, these dominant wrestlers who have who have hand control and they're they're grappling on the on the against the fence, and Usman was just doing like these shoulder strikes and these foot stomps. John Jones, for as much as I like John Jones, John Jones has never been separated when he's doing these short strikes like that, and Usman's doing foot stomps and stuff. That's normally that's not something that they. I feel like Kamaru was being active enough to where that position could have stayed. Can I make a point here, but, real quick? Go ahead. If that was happening in the second round, they don't separate them. Absolutely not. They separated them because right. it was the fifth round, and you don't want to close a championship fight that way. Exactly. Yeah. A- exactly. Um, so and after that, I up to that point, I feel like Kamaru was doing his job. But I think after the separation was when he started to kind of labor back a little bit. Because the whole fight, he's in his face pursuing him, backing Leon up. This was the first time in the, in the whole entire fight that Leon was... Uh, pressing the action and it, it led to Leon being in his wheelhouse one and then I feel like Kamaru knew that Leon was going to start throwing shit because like it's it's the last minute I, I, I'm sure he knew like time's winding down Leon's about to throw some shit I think Kamaru just was a little overly defensive if that's even a thing because he reacted so hard to the to the to the one two that Leon threw that he just left himself wide open for the for the head kick. That's something that he hasn't seen before with the with these guys that he's fought. Like Gilbert doesn't do stuff like that. Colby doesn't do stuff like that. Miles doesn't do stuff like that. And Leon up to that point hadn't shown like that he was I think that was the first head kick that he threw the whole fight. He had been throwing uh leg kicks, body kicks, stuff like that. But I I don't think he had threw a head kick the whole fight. So I think, man, it was just a combination of Leon being uh, as skilled on the feet as anyone in the UFC, and then Kamaru just 
being overly defensive, reacting so hard to that one-two that he left himself open for that head kick. Because normally Usman is very good defensively, but I think um, him knowing that Leon was going to get ultra-aggressive, he, re- he just reacted uh, very, very aggressively, I guess I should say. Well, we also, I mean, Gilbert Burns put Usman down, right? I mean, he got a knockdown in that fight. Colby rocked Usman quite a few times in both fights, right? Like, he, he didn't go down, but he rocked him multiple times. Leon Edwards, just in terms of pure striking, blows Colby Covington out of the water. So, oh, yeah. yeah, like, I, oh, I mean, uh, I, we got to give anybody that's just suggesting that that uh, you take anything away from, from Leon. Like, Leon landed a devastating shot, and he's one of the most skilled if not the most skilled striker, I think, in that division, right? Like, that is his calling card. For sure. That's, I For mean, sure. like you said, I think you said wheelhouse. Like, that was his wheelhouse. That's what makes him as great as he is. And, look, he's very well-rounded, but the way that fight ended is ideally the way that Leon Edwards wants to fight for 25 minutes. Absolutely. And this is why I thought that the fight was going to go the way— I mean, the fight was going the way I thought it would go. Yeah. Um, Leon wasn't going to have much opportunity to let his hands go because Kamaru was so, you know, wrestling-heavy. There's a clear advantage both ways. Yeah. Leon with his striking, Usman with his wrestling. I think Usman's striking is a little like Usman can dictate where this fight takes place because his wrestling's right. so good. Leon, uh, when it comes to fighting a guy like Usman, doesn't really have that luxury unless Usman's not pressing him, like we saw in the fifth exactly. round. Exactly. So, which is also uh, why I think I was somewhat frustrated because as those rounds started to rack up for Usman, it's like you know that he has the ability to control where this fight is going to take place. And you've got to do something to change that. Like Leon is so good technically that if you just allow him to do his thing, the result is going to be what it ultimately became. Right. Absolutely. But on Leon's side, if you're not getting that opportunity, you've got to take that opportunity and you've got to make it happen. And in some way, if it's not being a a technically sound fighter, like maybe you just have to fight for a bit to, to, to earn some respect so that you can get back into your wheelhouse. Cause like, Again, when the fifth round started, Will, 0.0% of me thought that Leon Edwards was going to win that fight. Not that he couldn't win the fight, because I absolutely think he could have, but the way that fight was going, there was no urgency for Leon to force the issue in terms of trying to get this where he wanted it versus Kamaru completely commanding it. Yeah, I, I agree 1,000%. Um, like, like you said, his body language throughout the second, third, and fourth rounds it didn't give any indication that in the fifth round when the, when the time came to, to actually yeah. throw stuff that he was going to throw anything. Um, he was accepting of said, Kamaru controlling the fight. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. That's why I said uh, last week that I, I question when, when Leon's in the trenches, like how he's going to respond. And at the time, like throughout the whole fight, he wasn't responding well at all. His corner is literally be- begging him to let his hands go. Um, and he even said, like, this was one of my worst performances. And I'm like, yeah, because when when you're not allowed to do what you do best and you're put in the trenches, like, against a guy like Usman who's been there and done that, you weren't responding. But you landed the head kick, which is great and everything. But going forward, and I, and I know we'll talk about what happens next, but going forward, I, I think that's something that he's going to have to address because he's gonna, he, if he fights Usman again, he's going to be put in those positions again. And how is he going to respond? Is he going yeah. to get frustrated? Because we know, we we know how technically gifted the guy is. I mean, w- what happened in the fifth round was what we all knew was possible. Right. But it 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 wasn't about X's and O's. It was about like heart, and it it didn't seem like Leon was was going to pull anything out to even 
do a, a head kick. But for him to pull that out, like like Usman said, it was a hell mary. And and for people who said out that there was luck, it was not luck at all. Like, Agreed. There there's not many people in the world that can pull off what he did. I mean, for to knock out a champion like Usman, who's so good defensively, um, and the way the setup was just beautiful, it was, it was perfect. When you're watching in slow motion, you'll see how how pretty it actually is. Like that was not lucky whatsoever. It was a hail mary. It was a uh, it was something that he knew he needed to do to to try to end the fight because he was going to lose if yeah. it went to a decision. Uh, it was a hail mary, but it was not lucky at all. Amen. I, that's very well said because I think sometimes people think a hail mary is luck and right. Um, you have to maybe get somewhat lucky to have the opportunity to to throw the Hail Mary, right? But like, Hail Mary wasn't luck. That was Leon doing what makes Leon special. And what we knew was always there, but, uh, you know, as as you said, like, that wasn't impossible. We knew that that was, was there, but it seemed so improbable because of the way the fight had gone. And Leon wasn't wasn't fighting for this fight to be in his realm, right? Like, he, he was accepting Usman commanding this fight. He wasn't... He wasn't fighting Usman in terms of fighting to to get this fight where he wants it to take place, uh, which is why I, I was frustrated with how the fight was going, uh, while simultaneously obviously understanding that Kamaru going into that fight, some people felt like was the GOAT, right? Like, there was, there's been that conversation. Now, I'm not necessarily one of those people, but there are people that have, before that fight on Saturday night, felt like Kamaru Usman had accomplished enough to maybe be, if not the GOAT, in the same breath as John Jones and GSP and, and Anderson Silva and the greats of all time. So we don't need to go down that path, but uh, that's the point is, is this guy is at that level. And that's what makes this so special. Like I always hate in sports in general, this isn't just a UFC thing in sports in general, how we, and we all do this. Something happens and we immediately want to call it like the greatest of something, right? Like greatest yeah. win ever, greatest comeback ever, greatest performance ever. Like immediately after everything, it's just like, that's the greatest team ever or, Whatever it is, just like, oh, not everything is like things can be really spectacular without always being the greatest. So like I wanted on Saturday night so badly to call that the greatest knockout in UFC history. But I also didn't want because I knew that I was so geeked with what had taken place. I didn't want all of that like energy I was feeling to cloud like my judgment in terms of if I really believe that's the case or not. And if if, you know, I remove myself from just having experienced that by a couple days, do I, f I still feel the same way? And now that I've had three days, Will, like, I absolutely believe that is the greatest knockout in UFC history when you, when you put everything into the equation, who it was against, what stage of the fight you were in, all of it. Like, to me, I, I can't think of anything that tops that. Now, okay, before, I, I mean, I, I hadn't really thought of the knockout of the, uh, of, like, the greatest knockout of all time, but I did... Of course, I even texted you. I said knockout of the year because like when it first happened, I was just so like blown away that it happened. And then I was like, that's the that's the greatest knockout of the year. Like that's better than Chandler and Ferguson. But now that I think about it um, and when you were as you were talking, I immediately started to think about other great knockouts that have happened. So like, of course, you got your Sarah GSP. Uh, you've got your Silva Weidman. Uh, you've got your. Um, uh, who am I missing? Um, goodness. Of course, Leon and Usman. You, you, you've got some that don't even have championship implications, like Francis over Alistair Overeem. Like, there's been some crazy knockouts um, in UFC history. But like you said, I mean, everything that goes into it, 
the guy that it was against, the situation that he was in, the the setup, like pu- just like pulling this out of out of nowhere, yeah. like there was no indication that Leon was ever going to do something like this, and then for it to just happen, and then to see the pound for pound number one guy in the world fold like that, Stiff I mean as a that's board, a, yeah, yeah, see his eyes just like. The lights are on, but there is no one home. <laughs> like you hear that expression a lot, but like the lights were on. Usman's eyes are wide open, but there was no one home. To see to see a guy who had built himself into such a a, a star, you know, we we're coming from Dana calling this guy thirty percent or whatever, and ta- basically trashing him to doing a complete one eighty to calling him the the greatest welterweight yeah. of all time, putting him in the goat debate and all this stuff. So like. For if, to see him go down like that, a guy who has been pretty much dominant in the UFC, who had won 15 fights in a row, who was about to tie Anderson Silva, 56 seconds away from all of this. Like, there's so much that goes into this one head kick, and then just all of a sudden, it's over, and Leon is the champion, and it's it, it's crazy. So I'm I'm with you. I don't know if I, I don't I don't know if there's if like after a week I'm going to be like ah uh, like it was good, but like right now in this moment. I don't really know of any other knockout that could be uh, over this. Yeah. Like Silva and Weidman was crazy, but like Anderson was playing. Like you could see, like you could possibly right. get knocked out if you keep playing like this. This is why you don't play games in the in octagon. No one saw this coming. Like this was, just, we were just 56 seconds away from like, I remember we were texting, like basically trashing, not trashing Leon, but saying like, man, I wish Leon would have did this. And it's, yeah. it's, it was just crazy, man. Like, the, the 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 commentary teams basically just writing them off like the, except for John Anik. like how about his call oh yeah <laughs> so great so like, great right before the kick that is I don't even know how he says it. he says everything su- in such a poetic way oh he's so good <laughs> yeah he's so good like I when Mike Goldberg I don't know we're going all over the place but when Mike Goldberg left I was like oh man like I don't even know who this John Anik guy is like now I was the same way yeah. there's there's no one I would rather listen to. Like John Anik is so good with this play-by-play, but yeah, for him to say that right before the the knockout happens, that's just legendary stuff. Like everything that goes into it is just legendary. Yeah, like I am, I'm a I'm a sports geek and I'm in the broadcasting business, and I would say John Anik is as good as any sports broadcaster out there. Like not just MMA or UFC. And I'm with you. And Goldberg left. I was like, oh man, this sucks. And I was not. It would have mattered who it was, right? Like I just that was the voice that I associated with it, and. Absolutely. I just didn't want. I just didn't want change. Is really what it boiled down to, and yeah, Annex. He's so good. I mean, so good. They, they are that whole crew. I mean, they're good. They're as good as any broadcast team in all of sports. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was hitting a half court shot at the buzzer right to win Game Seven of the Finals. Like that's <laughs> against a team that was undefeated. You know, like yeah, it's just like it had every single element on top of it, just on its own, being a spectacular knockout. Like, that's the other right. part of it. This isn't, like, just situational, and then this knockout happens, and it's, like, because of the situation, it's great. Or it's not, like, it was just, like, this highlight that was great, but it's kind of meaningless in terms of, like, what the grand picture is. Like, this has every element of what you could possibly hope for. Like, when you were a kid, I'm sure at times you were in your driveway, like, Game 7, NBA Finals, down by three, and you shot that three-pointer, right, to win oh, yeah. to win the NBA Finals, like, in your mind. That's the moment you dreamed of. Like, the only thing that could be equivalent to that in the UFC would be, like, you're fighting Kamaru Usman, the pound-for-pound champion, who's unbeaten, 
and you're in the final minute of the thing that he's dominated and, and is about to win, and then you pull out a spectacular head kick to finish him on the spot, right? Like, he's down and it's over. There wasn't, like, even a jump on top and have to put it, like, it was over. Yeah. Nothing, I, like, I'm, I, I cannot think of anything that I would even put in the same ballpark. Like, I, that is, for me, definitively, the greatest knockout in UFC <laughs> history. Yeah, man, like, I'm trying to think back to, to something that had the, the stakes, like the situation, like the, I don't think there's anything that has like literally all of it. Like there may be a knockout that had high stakes. There may be a knockout there where someone came from behind, but there's nothing that literally had all of it. And yeah, yeah. And then to, to just, like you said, to flatline him like that, like to, for the fight just to be over after you throw that head kick and land it beautifully for it to just to be over. That's what got me because like I saw the head kick. I was like, oh, and then like to see him stiff. That's what I lost it. I was like, oh, my God, like he's out. Oh, no. So, yeah. Greatest knockout in UFC history. I mean, yeah. I would be very surprised if someone could bring something to the table to say, like, this knockout um, is better than Leon and Kamaru. I'm, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just I don't think it, I don't think that it exists. A buddy of mine yesterday brought up because I was saying similar things yesterday. And a buddy of mine brought up the Holly Holm Ronda Rousey knockout. Which uh, is great. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think that is way yeah. up there, way up there, but not on the like to me. It's not. It's not on the same level. No, because Holly was dominating. Right. That, I'm, well, I'm not gonna say dominating, but Holly was clearly winning that right. fight up to that point. Like the way that she was tagging Ronda and making Ronda miss, like making Ronda fight real sloppy. Like you, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that that fight that that could happen. In fact, you expected like you expected there was a good chance Holly was gonna win that fight. Absolutely, yeah. because she completely shocked Ronda. Ronda was not able to take her down, and Holly was just piecing her up on the feet. Like, Holly's a boxer. Like, they were basically boxing, and Holly was definitely getting the better of her. So when, when the head kick happened and everything, it was shocking to see Ronda go down like that. But up to that point, Ronda was getting tagged a lot. So I wouldn't put that in, like, like, I wouldn't put that in the same ballpark. Like, that's how good right. this Leon and Kamaru knockout was. Yeah. I mean, it's up there for sure. Like you said, it's up there, probably in the top five or top three. Yeah. But this Leon KO, there's no, uh, there's nothing that has the all all of I'm it. I'm telling you, yeah. Up. Like it's just it's just crazy. I don't like the more I'm Leon's talking about it, the more I has, it. Leon's knockout doesn't have a peer. Right. <laughs> it is separated from every other knockout that's ever happened in UFC history. I I I'm convinced, man. Like, and I again, I hate that whole prisoner of the moment in sports. Like, like LeBron wins a title and we call him the greatest player ever, and then like the next year Steph Curry wins a title and it's like now Steph is the greatest player ever, and it's just like. You're always prisoner of the moment and whatever happened most, re you know, and people just flip flop all the time in terms of like, what's the greatest? So I didn't want to be like that guy on Saturday night that's totally living in my emotions like it's the greatest ever. And I, so I was like allowing myself to just enjoy it and then, you know, give it some thought. And yeah, like it, it took me like 24 hours and I was like, dude, that is the greatest ever. Like there's nothing else that comes close. So, yeah, pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Um, so the rematch is going to happen. Right? Like, it's going to happen. There's going to be a trilogy. I feel like wherever they hold it, right? It's going to, I think we all expect that it's going to take place over the pond. I don't know what arena it's going to take place. Like, I would imagine they're going to get something bigger than the O2 arena uh, to house that thing. But I would make the argument also that that might be the hottest ticket in sports. Kamaru trying to get his belt back against Leon in the UK. 
with those crazy UK fans drunk off their asses chanting. You probably have Patty Pimblett on that card. Maybe maybe you have uh, Aspinall probably wouldn't be back by then, but um, yeah, maybe Darren gotta, Till's you, back you gotta, by then. Yeah, you, you got to get McCann. them all on there. You got to get them all on there for sure. You got to get that them all. That place would be unbelievable. That might be the hottest ticket in sports. I think, I think you have to wait. Not not like long, but I think you have to get all of these guys on there. Like you have to get Aspinall. I don't know how long he's out. He might be out for a while. Aspinall might be the only guy that you that can't make this one. Yeah. But I think you have to get Molly, Patty, uh, uh, Darren Till for sure. Arnold uh, Allen, Mohammed Makayev, like all of the uh, all of the people that we've become accustomed to fighting on these UK cards. You got to get them all on that. Um, they normally go to the UK in in March. Um, because like, like they went back in 2019, they went uh, in March this past year, so I feel like that March April time frame is going to be when they do it. But like you said, this is going to be the hottest ticket in sports. I mean, I, I I keep harping back to the WWE, but I can't help it. Like this is like Shawn Michaels going to fight Bret Hart in Canada. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> he's going to get massively booed, uh, and I'm sure Usman is going to just. He's gonna love the the atmosphere and just being the in enemy territory and stuff. And Leon is gonna get a hero's welcome. Like the guy deserves it for all of the shit that he's been through. Uh, and bring just being able to bring a belt back to the UK. Like we haven't even seen the scenes that it's gonna be when Leon has his parade and stuff. I'm sure you're gonna get a parade in the UK yeah. and it's gonna be insane. Um, we haven't even seen that yet. So um, I just I can't even imagine. Like we've seen Darren Till walk out in the UK. He's not he's not a champion though. It, and it was insane it was crazy we've seen patty pimlet walk out in the uk it was it was insane i can't imagine when leon edwards walks out in the uk and it's and it's it's crazy because i think back to 2019 when he walked out and he was getting booed and now in the same in the same spot he was booed in he's about to get a hero's welcome and it couldn't happen to a better person because all the shit that leon has had to deal with for the last three years culminates in this and then whenever they have this rematch or the trilogy fight it is going to get um marketed the correct way they're going to build this thing uh in a in a in a great great way they're going to stack this card where whenever it happens i can't wait for it man yeah. it that is going to be the greatest pay-per-view of the 2023 and if they do it right if, if the fights deliver i mean it could be the greatest pay-per-view ever i mean we'll see remember that fight night was it march that was in London. Like that was one yeah. of the best cards I've ever seen pay-per-view or not. And that was a fight night. And that crowd yeah. was off the hook. I mean yeah. that the fights were great, which it plays a big role, right? If you get a bunch of stinky fights, like the atmosphere is kind of irrelevant, but you had great fights with a great passionate crowd and you could just feel the energy in there. Like every single fight, it just felt like the energy was building and building and building. And even watching it through your television screen, it was almost like you were a part of that because within you watching it, you could feel your own energy building. Like that's that's what makes a great sporting event is when it can transcend like the place that it's in and you're able to get that same vibe watching it through a screen halfway across the world. That is going to be an un- unbelievable scene. Leon Edwards, Kamaru Usman, the trilogy fight in the UK. I guess is, I'm thinking about it. Can you think like of a bigger fight like we've got um we've got fights coming up uh, uh the rest of this year and potential fights going into next year can you think of a bigger fight than than Usman Edwards 3 or Edwards Usman 3 in the UK the only thing off the top of my head that that would even come close would be Francis John Jones 
but I yeah, other than that, I don't think there is anything. What what Connor yeah. matchup could come close to that right now? Like, is there a guy that could Gaethje Connor? Maybe. I still would. Oh, Gaethje. That's a good one. Um, I, but I don't think it's uh, the 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 buildup's going to be as good. I mean, Connor is yeah. Connor for sure, but I think everything that goes into this Leon and, and Kamaru right. matchup is going to make it special. Like the lead up. I mean the the walk. I mean the walkouts. <laughs> the walkouts going to be insane. And I, I love watching the walkout. That's one of the things that really attracted me to the sport. Kamaru, like, he, he normally has, like, really, really flashy walkouts. But to see him, and he's just going to get booed. Like, they might throw something at him or something. Like, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> well, and I look like to start spinning it forward a little bit. This is what is fascinating about a rematch because, like, on the surface, I would say I'm absolutely picking Kamaru in a rematch, right? Like, because again, he can, he's shown that he can dictate where this fight takes place. As I said last time, I don't think it's a good idea to stand with Leon when you can, when you can cruise to a grappling victory, which he was doing. And then he stood with Leon and it ended. So like, I would bet on Kamara winning the fight simply because we know he can control that. But where this becomes so fascinating is because Leon landed this knockout, does he now have way more confidence in himself and not, you know, like... Do we see him much more active and aggressive early in a fight as opposed to maybe submitting to Kamaru's style and and the, where Kamaru wants this to take place? And on the other side, now that Kamaru's taking a shot like this, like how does he bounce? Is he is he less aggressive or is he more timid in terms of maybe just like going in for a takedown because he knows that this guy can put his lights out? Like that's the part of it that I think is fascinating going forward. But just on the surface of what the fight is, it's still the same fight, right? If Kamara wants to wrestle the whole fight, he could win an easy, somewhat boring type of fight. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, actually, I think that both guys have have reasons to be very confident going into the trilogy, because you know, Leon even said it in his uh in his post fight uh, uh interview that um this was his worst performance, but he still won. He still beat the pound for pound best guy, um, yeah. and it was his worst performance. Um. You did. You did see a lot of good things from Leon in that first round. You you could tell that he worked on his wrestling, but of course, throughout the course of the fight, you saw some things that were that are worrisome, like his uh his his gas tank. Like how how much of that exactly is the fact that it was in in Utah? Because you know all I heard from DC was that he was he got there two weeks earlier and he, and he slept in a in a tank or something that was supposed to get him uh well like acclimated to the to the Utah, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, they, elevation. they were saying it. Elevation, yeah. yeah. They were saying it the whole time. I just couldn't think of it yet. Look, you can only um, prepare so much. Like, you can't recreate how exhausting it is to be actually fighting somebody in the octagon, right? Like, Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. I think it was, a, it, it absolutely was a part of, of the equation in terms of Leon wearing down. Now, how much is a different story, but it was, it was part right, of that, it, that's, for that's sure. That's the question. Yeah, That's the question. Sure. Like, how, how, how much exactly did that play how much did it play a factor in his performance um but with that being said going into the fifth round he still had enough juice to to land that head kick and it didn't look like it didn't look like he was exhausted it just looked like he was defeated it just looked yeah. like he was uh like he was frustrated and like you said like he was accepting it didn't look like he was tired it right. just looked like he was accepting right. it um so but like i said Leon has a lot of reasons to be uh, to be confident because he did beat the, the pound for pound king 
uh, and he wasn't going forward. Like he wasn't really pressing the action. Like what would have happened if he would have been a little bit more aggressive? Like could he have knocked out Kamaru earlier? And on the Usman side of things, you were winning. You were winning three rounds, three and a half rounds to one. Like you were about to win this fight, and you could say it was a mistake on his part to to stop going forward and letting Leon get comfortable enough to throw that shot. Um, Kamaru could, like you said, he could cruise to an easy win because that's how he was doing it when he first got to the UFC. And fights with Kamaru weren't close. Like we were like 30, 25. Like he beat Woodley and it was like 50 to 44, 50 to 43. Like he's getting 10 eights, 10 sevens uh, a lot of these times because no one um, can can hang with him in the wrestling. And we saw that uh, on Saturday. Usman was having his way when it came to the wrestling. Even when Leon would threaten uh, Kamaru with a, with a takedown or something, like as soon as, as Kamaru got free, he was taking Leon down. And I think that's just something else that was just getting to Leon like, fuck, I'm doing all I can, but I'm continuing to get taken down. So, yeah, if, if I'm both guys, I'm I'm confident going into this trilogy. And I think that's just what makes it that much more intriguing because both guys have a lot of reasons to be uh, confident going into a trilogy fight. I, all I know is it would also be pretty cool if Leon were to fight Masvidal for a belt. <laughs> like Man, not ahead look. of this trilogy fight this needs to happen no. first but if leon were to retain that i would be happy to see leon masvidal if i'm leon this is the fight <laughs> masvidal in the uk at the scene of the crime that's the fight because if you think kamaru usman is going to get booed in the uk imagine masvidal knowing the backstory knowing that leon is about to get a hero's welcome Masvidal, even though he was so good in the UK back when he beat Till, he'd get man. You think Shawn Michaels was <laughs> was a was a was an enemy in Canada? I think Masvidal would be a would be a a, a big enemy uh, in the UK now. So yeah. if I'm Leon, I'm pushing for Masvidal. But and then you know you got the Ham. That's the Ham's outside of things, which we might get into. But Usman, it's clear the guys earned it. Yeah. He was the pound for pound number one. Like, there's nothing that should come before Usman getting the title shot next. So, I know that that's, that's got to be what happens next for sure. And if Usman wins, then uh, he either retires or has Hamzat coming his way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I thought of a theory because, you know, out of all all the stuff that, that happened with this Leon and Hamza or Leon and Kamaro thing, I was a little happy that this halts Hamzat for a second because this Ham this Hamzat rocket has just been going it's just you know skyrocketing and everything. Um I didn't like the Nate Diaz this Nate Diaz fight. So the fact that this derails the UFC's plans with Hamzat kind of makes me happy a little bit. But I have a I have a, a scenario what I think might happen because I do feel like this trilogy with Leon and Usman is gonna happen. Oh it's definitely so happening. If, Definitely so if if, if Hamzat beats Nate Diaz, which we are pretty sure is going to happen, but we've seen crazier things go back to Saturday. Um, if Hamzat beats Nate, is he going to wait? Because this trilogy fight is going to happen next year, and we're talking, and we're the the dates we're looking at like mid next year, uh, March, April, maybe May. Who knows? So is Hamzat going to wait that long to to get his title shot? Because after that fight, then you got like. Is, then you got like months to wait for the uh, for Usman or Edwards to get ready to fight Hamza. So he's gonna wait a whole year to fight again. I don't know. So I think if Hamza beats Nate, 
they're going to book the trilogy, and then guess who's going to have to fight Hamzat Shemaev? Kobe Covington. Yeah. And I know that Kobe has – he thinks he's in a, in a good spot right now because he's like, all right, Usman's not the champion anymore. Hamzat's got Nate. I'm kind of like – I can kind of play my cards however I want. But if Hamzat can't face the champion for another year – He's going to want to fight somebody again because they're going to they're the UFC is going to want this Hamzat train to keep rolling. And there's nobody else for him to fight other than the number one contender, which is Kobe. Yeah. I guess he'd be number two now since Usman lost, but would be Kobe Covington. So I think at some point we're going to get Hamzat versus Kobe. I agree. Um, I, Leon waited 14 months, by the way, before he got this shot. Um, I, I, I see three things happening with Hamzat. Number one, he waits. And if that's a year, then he just waits a year and he's next. Number two, Colby Covington, which I think he wants, and it makes sense. Whether Colby wants that fight is a different story, but um, Colby Covington. Or number three, and I could really see this happening. He fights somebody at 185 in the meantime while retaining his top contender spot at 170. That's a good one. Those all are, those all are good ones. Um, I didn't think about that 185 one. Yeah, but who has who has a big enough name? Because it's got to be a name big enough. Because like he's about to beat Nate Diaz. It can't just be all respect to Gerald Mearshart, but it can't be a Gerald Mearshart type guy. It's got to be someone who's got a name behind him. Um, who people? Ooh, a guy like Costa. Yeah, but that that would be a crazy fight. That'd be a crazy wow. fight. That would be a crazy and fight. And the great thing is, if he loses, okay, he lost at 185 to one of the elite 185ers. Yeah. Like, it's not a, it doesn't slow down his train at 170 and the title path. I like it. I like it. So, yeah, uh, I think it's I, either wait, it's Colby, or it's uh, fight somebody at 185. Because he's not going to, like, he's not going to fight Bilal or, um, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Sean Brady or, like, He's not going to fight back. any of those guys at this point. It doesn't make any like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he's on the. I, I mean, be, he does. He shouldn't really have to fight Nate, but you 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 understand because Leon absolutely deserved to have right. a title shot. Um, after this Nate fight, the only person who he he could really fight is um, Kobe yeah. at one seventy. But like you said, the move up to one eighty five is very interesting. And say he wins, and you know the. The welterweight title picture is still a little foggy. You know, the champion, you know, whoever wins may have an injury or something. If he gets one middleweight win with how much the UFC loves him, he's in the running for a <laughs> middleweight title shot. So, I mean, I think that that's very likely because he would be – they would take the Conor McGregor approach and say, oh, he's 1-0, and 2-0 and yeah. at 170. It, it makes sense. Like, <laughs> Yeah. He could, he could beat Costa and then, like, let's say Izzy defends against uh... – Peta, like, there's your there's Izzy's next opponent as well, you, right? You, yeah, because like he's beaten everyone else exactly. twice. Exactly. So like, yeah, give Hamzat the shot. Yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. But it is going to be the trilogy first, and it's going to be Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman three at some point. Which look, both guys came away pretty unscathed in terms of injuries and everything. So I would imagine that they can probably get that get that going uh, with some level of quickness. So we haven't even talked about the rest of the fights on this fight card yet because uh, that thing was so shocking and so incredible and deserved uh, the amount of time that we gave it. The co-main event was 
Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold, to which uh, Luke Rockhold finished this fight in one of the strangest ways I've ever seen, just smearing his blood all over Costa's face <laughs> after he had been pretty much handled for three rounds. Um, he then retires. Uh, Luke Rockhold, I, I thought, I mean, this is a great way to go out, right? Like, he didn't get finished. Uh, I thought he fought a hell of a fight, took a, a lot of damage, big shots, showed heart in his final time in the octagon from a former champ. I kind of felt like Paulo Costa was probably going to get him out of there in round two, simply because I felt like Rockhold had enough enough offense and enough weapons to maybe hold his own for five minutes, and then in the second round, he's going to start getting tired. He's going to take a couple shots, get weak, and pa Costa would finish him. I credit Rockhold for how much he dug down and continued to fight through taking big shots, while also, I mean, he, he rocked Costa multiple times in this fight. He clearly didn't have enough in the gas tank to follow up on some of that stuff, but this was a lot more fun than I anticipated it was going to be because I kind of thought that this was going to be a, a Costa domination. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I definitely thought that Luke wasn't going to be able to take uh, some of the shots that he took. Um, it seemed like, it seemed like, uh, Paulo, some of those shots, like Luke, it seemed like he might've got a little rocked, but he would grab a hold of them. Uh, I'm, I'm shocked that the fight lasted all three rounds because after the first round, when you see Luke with his hands on his head and hands on the knees, I'm like, oh yeah, this fight isn't going to last too much longer. But, um, the fact that, the fact that Luke lasted all the, all those rounds, um, when he's exhausted, he's, he's on E. But he's literally just finding something uh, to to throw kicks and to throw punches. Um, it was uh, it was good for me to see because uh, you know I've I've watched Luke Rocco since he got in the UFC, and uh, I, I've always respected his game. He's he's a guy who's very very skilled, very talented. Um, I don't think we I don't think we ever got to see the full um, best of Luke Rocco, but I think on this night we got to see the heart and the toughness uh, of the guy. Um, I also want to give props to to Costa because like all the the shit that he dealt with, um, which was kind of self inflicted. Yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. be real. After the Izzy fight, and then uh, then all the shit that he did uh, into the Vittori fight, he went through a lot, and it seemed like he had really he has really matured um, when it, in terms of his nutrition, uh, and he he it seemed like you know he was in shape, body looked great. Um, he, and he fought like he, like he normally does in his face pursuing him. Uh, but man, the fight was crazy. It was, it definitely didn't go how I thought it was going to go, but, uh, I give props to both guys. It was a, it was a very strange fight, but it was, it was good. It was, it was entertaining as shit because I mean, Luke with the fuck you and then landing bombs. Like imagine if Luke would have knocked him out after saying fuck you, like that would have been incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, like just just mind blowing if that if he would pull that off, but I mean it was a crazy entertaining fight. Uh, both guys deserved to get fight of the night. They uh, they definitely entertained us. And then Luke announces his retirement. Man, um, it was it was it was uh, it was tough to see. You know him crying and hugging people, and then DC goes and gives him a hug and stuff. It was uh, it was tough to see, but I mean I'm glad Luke uh, gave us um, a performance like that on his way out, and not not a um, a scene of him just getting dropped yeah. and. Like Gustafson against Krylov so. a few weeks ago. Yeah, he made a, a really good accounting for himself. Uh, it's something that he should be proud of for sure. So we gave the Costa scenario a moment ago with Hamzat. Um, I think that if Robert Whitaker were to beat Marvin Vittori, 
I would love to see Robert Whitaker and Paulo Costa. Uh, if you, they don't want to go that route, the other name that sticks out to me, and this was scheduled, I believe, last year, but didn't happen, uh, Costa Cannoneer. Yeah, you know, I think that um, I think that the winner of Costa or uh, of Cannoneer and Strickland is uh, is the perfect matchup for Paulo Costa. Um, the, that fight's happening in in October. I mean, you said Hamzat. I I literally think that I mean, with guys being booked and stuff at middleweight, and you know them needing like a fresh face for for a guy like Costa to face, I wouldn't be surprised if Hamzat, you know, got into this middleweight picture and fought a guy like Paulo Costa. And then yeah, if if Whitaker can beat Vittori, that would be a really fun fresh matchup to see uh, at middleweight. So yeah, there's there's options out there for for Paulo, man. Um, he he definitely put his stock back. Uh, after, you know, it seemed like he was on the verge of, you know, being out of the UFC, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it was looking. That's how much that, that downward spiral was going for him, but it seemed like he's got everything back on track now. So it was good to see another missed cut or bad performance. And you really felt like it might, we might really start having those conversations, right? But like, that's absolutely, that's how bad that whole thing was handled last time. But, uh, Paulo Costa over Luke Rockhold. So I text you after the Marab Aldo fight, something along the lines of like, that was unfortunate, or I don't even remember my phrasing, but I'm going to give you credit because you said, let's just call it what it was. That fight sucked, <laughs> which is true. That fight sucked, man. Fight sucked. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because Marab beats Aldo in a fight where he gets zero takedowns. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, man. Just because there was nothing happening. It was takedown attempt, takedown deny. Takedown attempt, takedown <laughs> deny. For 15 minutes, and there really wasn't anything but that, uh, which was like, eh. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I know that this fight was very frustrating for Aldo because I don't feel like he felt like he got into a fight. He just was defending takedowns. He probably felt like he was back in the, in the practice room uh, just defending takedowns. But, you know, Marab's got a relentless pressure, or a relentless style, and uh, he he was going to try to get a takedown by any means, and then he did that the entire fight. And on the feet, Aldo just didn't open up. Yeah. I mean, like, part of it was Aldo's fault, but then a part of it was just, like, Marab's going to just keep shooting, and you're just going to keep stuffing them. Like, so, like, but I You have to get points. Sides. Like, it, it wasn't yeah, his fault, yeah. but you know you have to get some points somewhere in those rounds. Like, you're not going to win judges over by just defending takedowns. Yeah, ask uh, Rose Nami Yunus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, there's no, um, there's nothing written when it when it comes to the judges and stuff that says that defending takedowns is a way to score points. So, um, Aldo being in the game as long as he as he has, especially being a champion, should have known like I'm defending these takedowns, but I do have to throw something when I'm on the feet. And in the first round, I believe it was he he did that. He was throwing while while defending shots, but it seemed like in the second and third round he kind of got a little tired. And then, like, the, the he was defending the shots well still, but he wasn't following up. So, yeah, I mean, credit, I mean, credit for, to Marab for continuing to, to, to pressure Aldo and to continuing to go at it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Aldo is going to look back on that and be like, man, like, I just should have yeah. opened up a little bit more. Because there's been cases where guys have been trying to get takedowns and get them stuffed, but the, and the guy just lands just enough strikes. Like, go back to Robbie Lawler, Johnny Hendricks, uh, the second fight. Uh, Johnny Hendricks was trying to get Robbie down, but, uh, uh, and Robbie was just doing just enough at the end of the rounds to, to steal him. And yep. he ended up winning the title. So we've seen cases where that, where that's, uh, come to be true, but Otto just wasn't active enough. And that's, 
it's sad because uh, you saw how how dejected that he was after the fight. Uh, but yeah, credit to Marab, man. What's next? Uh, for for Marab, I mean, I kind of feel like um, with his performance not being that great, uh, let's be real, like the fight sucked, and then with him openly stating that he's not going to fight Aljo, <laughs> right. I think they're. I, I don't think that they're going to put him in that upper echelon. Like they're not going to give him Cheeto. Uh, they're not going to give him anybody who's on that championship trajectory. Cheeto's definitely ahead I kinda, of him in the line. Yeah, for for sure. Yeah. So I kind of think that it'll be uh, Marab fighting like the winner of Sanhagen and uh, and Song Yidong because like they're there's like in the pecking order. Cheeto's at the top, and then I feel like you know Sanhagen's lost three in a row. Song Yidong's not really a championship contender yet, so I think he'll face he'll face the winner of that. Or he'll fight one of these up and comers like a Ricky Simone or um, like the, the like. There's no shortage of bantamweights like that he could fight. Um, I just don't think like you know maybe they give him Frankie Edgar in New York. I mean, I, Frankie Edgar's been wanting to fight. Like who knows? So I, I just don't think it's going to be somebody who's on the uh, championship trajectory at all. Why are you doing Frankie like that? I mean. <laughs> I mean, he's got to fight somebody, yeah. and he, he, he's yeah. going to want to fight someone who's of name recognition. Yeah. Like, I thought, like, he might fight Ricky Simone. He's, and he lost to Ricky Simone, so I would imagine he has an appetite for that, right? That was way, I mean, that's been a long time. Uh, let's see, 2018 when he lost to Ricky Simone. But, uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that he has an appetite for that. Um, you know, we we talked about this after the Cheeto Vera Dominic Cruz fight and the line at Bantamweight and how there's still so much that needs to happen before you get any clarity whatsoever because Aldo was on a win streak just like Cheeto, but Aldo had beat Cheeto along his win streak. So that if Aldo would have won this fight, Aldo would have been in front of Cheeto in the line in terms of, of who's next for a title. Um, Marab's not going to fight Aljo, plus this was a terrible fight. He's not in front of Cheeto, so Cheeto has survived that one. We still have Pewter Yon and Sean O'Malley, which depending on how that goes, somebody could potentially come out in front of Cheeto in the line. Um, so there's still a little bit at play here, but yeah, Marab, I don't think did himself any favors with, with that kind of fight in terms of what's next, because while I think he's now number three in the rankings ahead of Cheeto, nobody can realistically make the argument for him over Cheeto. I think given that performance, that lackluster fight, um, and depending who the champion is, he may not even want the fight. So Ricky Simone, I think is perfect. Makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, uh, Ricky Simone coming off that win against Jack Shore, man. I mean, that was a crazy win. And yeah, like you said, like this is a win that, or this is a fight that Marab's going to want to get back because he did lose to Ricky Simone. So, uh, yeah, the fight sucked. Yeah, uh, He's not going to fight any championship-level guys. So, uh, yeah, I think Ricky Simone is definitely on the table. And then, if not that, then I could definitely see him fighting the winner of uh, Yadong and Corey Sanhagen. So originally, uh, Tabura and Romanov was on the main card. They ultimately moved that to the feature prelim, and Putalova and Wu got moved up, in which uh, Putalova, in impressive fashion, got the finish, and uh, I thought uh, secured her spot on that main card. Yeah, I mean, and they, I think they both knew, like, to if they're going to get moved on the main card, they got to go out here and, ha- and have an entertaining fight. And I, and I actually really enjoyed the fight. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't understand why they moved the Tibera fight and the Romanov fight to the prelims. But uh, this fight with Putalova and, 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 uh, and Wu was a, was a good entertaining fight. And then Putalova with those elbows to finish. I mean, she put a stamp on it for sure. And a uh, big win for sure. 
And it speaks to desperately maybe wanting some new blood in that 135-pound division as well. Uh, Tyson Pedro over Harry Hunsucker. I mean, this thing was over in a blink. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we knew the odds were just so crazy in favor of Tyson Pedro anyway. Um, this wasn't one that we spent a lot of time talking about, but I, I think we all kind of knew where this one was headed. But good for Tyson Pedro to get it done and uh, recapture some of the momentum that he had. Yeah, and I think that's all that, that this fight was. Um, like, if you look at Harry Hunsucker's record, he fought uh, two guys who are uh, friends and training partners of Tyson Pedro and Justin Taffa and Ty Tuavasa. Both those guys beat Harry Hunsucker. So, I mean, this fight was, a, I feel like it was just a showcase fight for Tyson Pedro to make him come off as a star, and it did just that. Uh, the odds were uh, were glorified. I mean, uh, I mean, we understand why the odds were why, like they were. Um Pedro, he he's got all the makings of a star. He's got the look, uh, you know, the tattoos and everything. He's got the fighting style, uh, and so this fight uh, with Hunsucker was just a was just a showcase fight. And he and he definitely knocked it out the park. Yeah, I'm excited to see what's next for him. Obviously, there's uh, that highlight ability that uh, that is going to be interesting in terms of of uh, star power and what he can ultimately accomplish. Uh, so we did mention Tabura Romanov originally on the main card. It became the feature prelim. We both picked Romanov in this fight. But I remember specifically us talking about the odds and how they seemed so lopsided in favor of Romanov, which didn't make sense to me because I thought this was close to a coin flip. Like, I thought this was a really close fight. Um, I thought Romanov was going to be on the right side of it, but Tabura is the right combination of everything, I think, to be a tough out for Romanov. And ultimately, Tabura gets the win. Not only was this just a tough fight, like, Tabura got the win, which, by the way, as this fight ended, my internet went out briefly. So I didn't even know who won the fight for, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> and then I find out that, to, I, like, I thought, like, okay, like, this is going to be a close fight. I don't know which way it's going to go. But, um, yeah, I didn't. And then it was Tabura, and I was like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, man, look, um, like you said, the odds were a little um, crazy on this one. I mean, you, you understand, like, Romanov being an undefeated heavyweight and to how he did chase Sherman. Uh, but Tabura's got that style that's very um, um, – it's, it's very similar to, to Alexander Romanov. And I knew – we both knew that um, he was going to experience some type of adversity in this fight. Uh, the first round went exactly how um, Romanov, it was It was a Romanov showcase. I mean, it was a 10-8, basically, for, for my money, because I don't think Tibera even landed a strike. And if he did, it was it was like single digits, and Romanov yeah. basically dominated. Yeah. And, but the next two rounds were Tibera. Clearly. Or it clearly was Tibera. So, um you, you just can't leave it in the hands of the judges like that. Like uh, some people don't really give 10 eights out like that. And that's why the scorecards were what they were. Like you had a 29, 28, 29, 28, and then one draw. So um, yeah, I mean, Romanov is still um, a big time prospect in this division. I think uh, the, the, the altitude um, probably played a factor in how he uh, fought those last two rounds. And uh, Tybura definitely benefited from that. But um yeah, man, it's a credit for Tiberia to stay with it after yeah. the first round, uh, be getting dominated like that and then coming back. So, I mean, I think this is just a learning experience for Romanov. I think he's only, only going to grow for this. And then Tiberia, man, uh, keeping his spot uh, in the top 10. So, good for both guys, really. Uh, a couple final thoughts on the prelims. Um, I, I thought, number one, the altitude impacted everybody. Almost every fight, you could literally see what an impact it was having. Uh, Saldana ultimately looking like he was going to finish Sean Woodson turned into a, a, uh, split draw. 
because he knees Woodson in, a, in the head as he was down, and uh, ultimately that thing goes the distance. Um, the Angelusa AJ Fletcher fight was just bananas. And I don't, I mean, AJ Fletcher for literally the final five minutes of the fight had nothing in the tank. Like he literally just laid there with nothing left. And that was crazy. And then the other one I wanted to bring up was um, Amir Albazi, who uh, I was really impressed with the last time I saw him. Uh, this is a guy that uh, I think is very quickly going to have a big opportunity at flyweight because I, I, they're always looking for somebody that can maybe be a game changer, I think, in that division. And he's somebody to pay attention to. Man, I, I'm still buzzing about that Sean Woodson Luis Saldana fight. Like, could you? I could not believe that fight. I thought that this was just going to be a easy win for Sean Woodson because he's so he's so tall, so yeah. long for featherweight. He's literally six two, yeah. but Saldana comes back at five ten, and you saw like Sean Woodson was having some trouble with a guy who was who could get to him in a way that he hasn't really seen before. And then uh, Saldana dropped him, literally had him beat, and then goes in for the goes for the knee to a downed opponent. Like he literally had the win, and then almost, and then if Sean Woodson, like, but but wait, scratch all that first. He he knocked him down. Yeah. And like he he knocked him down, and then like something happened where I guess he slipped, and then he backed up. He didn't follow up from that. He let Woodson back up. He drops him with the jab, and then he like kind of showboats a little bit, and then he and then he goes for the knee. Like he's got to have better IQ than that because right. you, you got to get the win before you do all that, brother. Um, but yeah. Uh, it was a very controversial uh, fight. He ended up getting a point taken away, but this was a fight that he definitely could have won. And and Sean Woodson didn't look the same for the rest of the night. So um, it was a fight that he should have won, but he definitely let that one slip. But like you said, um, that Fletcher and uh, Lusa fight was crazy, and uh, Albazi looked great against uh, uh, Figueredo, man. So it was a great night of fights from start to finish. Against the sure. champ's brother, right? Yeah, against the champ's brother, yeah. Great fight night, historic fight night, legendary fight night was UFC 278 in which Leon Edwards is now the welterweight champion of the world. We have no fight card this weekend. We will do this again next week as we preview tied to Ivasa and Surreal Gone at UFC fight night, which is the only fight that stands between us and U UFC 279. So uh, we're bouncing back with another pay-per-view very, very quickly. And look, I, I'm going to give UFC 279 its due. I'm so much looking past that, though, because the 280 and the 281 cards are so fucking stacked that, like, 279 <laughs> is just kind of like, eh, okay, but, like, let's get to yeah. the fireworks because um, they have done an incredible job of stacking up big-time matchups over the next couple months for us, Will. Like, we're only getting started. Like, we just watched, again, definitively in my mind, the greatest knockout in UFC history, and we are on the doorstep of the next couple months being completely badass in this sport. Absolutely, man. I, I mean... I don't think anybody thought that um, coming out of 278 that we would be buzzing like this uh, after that yeah. knockout. I mean, I think it completely uh, put the MMA world on, on on its ass, and we're start we're trying to recover. But yeah, literally, we've got so many big events to look forward to. Uh, Hamza and Nate Diaz. I mean, I mean that's fight. It's gonna be what it is. They're gonna, they're trying to make that card seem a little bigger. They added Tony Ferguson and Li Jingliang, but like. Um, we we see where they put their their eggs like they put all their eggs into 280 into 281 and that's what we're, what we're looking forward to. I mean 280 is so stacked and then MSG like we all we all know that they they're going to stack that uh, 281 card as well. And then if the 282 card ends up being what they want it to be, that card's going to be fucking stacked as well. Yeah. So we've got a lot to look forward to. I mean Abu Dhabi in October is going to be crazy. Like I'm literally counting down the days until we get to UFC 280. Uh, it's literally going to be at a time that works out perfect for you. 
I think, man, I think we're going to have to roll out the uh, bacon-wrapped jalapenos, and we might have Let's to do, do that one, man, because uh, that card is just too, is too stacked, man. We, 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 we got to do that one. We might need to do it for 280 and 281, if we're being completely honest. But, yeah. And, look, if 282 turns into what it might be, I mean, it, it uh, yeah, we may do bacon-wrapped jalapenos for three in a row. <laughs> for three in a row. Yeah. I'm with it. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, and and, and I, before we go, I got to bring this up. Okay. You watched the pay-per-view from the water, from, oh, from the pool. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, was, you was in there chilling. I was like, what? Yeah. This is this is a vibe. This yeah. is a vibe right here. Well, so when we bought this house, the pool setup and everything was out there, but they told us, like, we don't think the pool works, and, you know, there's, like, a pump and everything, and uh, we were like, okay. And so we had originally planned on, like, the next summer, like, getting it, you know, because we just bought the house, put a big down payment. You know, we were like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll like, get everything fixed next summer. So I ended up getting laid off before like next summer came. And then it was like, okay, this is going to have to be put on, you know, like obviously um, things getting tighter. Like we're going to have to put that off for a little longer. So we finally ended up getting the pool done a couple weeks ago or, or last week actually. Uh, so yeah, I was like sitting on the porch watching the fights and it was really nice outside. I was just like, I think I'm going to go see what the view is like from the pool. And if I have a view, so I, I got jumped in and got on a floaty and laid there in a perfect view of the television, man. And it was it was fantastic until like we ended up getting some weather that night. Uh, so like oh, it, it yeah, literally yeah, went right. from like being super peaceful and I'm just like floating on this little raft watching the fights, like living my best life to like out of nowhere, like 50 mile an hour wind gusts and like some of the floaties and the beach ball like blowing across the yard. I'm like... Like tropical storm, and and that ended uh, what was a very um, very serene night. But yeah, no. So I ended up watching the rest inside. But yeah, it was it was pretty dope, man. Yeah, it, it looked extremely peaceful. Yeah. Uh, feet up, probably had uh, probably had a nice little beverage. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked like paradise. Yeah. Watching the fights, like absolutely. Man. So yeah, you'll have to and you'll have to come check that out as well. Absolutely, and like I feel like, had you have been in the in the in the water when the knockout happened, you might have you might have drowned. Oh, I wouldn't be doing the podcast right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would have. Yeah, it would have been over. <laughs> like Jaws takes me down. It's done. Right. Game over. I'm just floating in the pool. Oh man, so uh, ba- so maybe the the the, the rain yeah. was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> Either that, or I would have thrown all of the uh, lawn chairs into the pool watching that damn Marab Aldo fight. So oh. who knows. <laughs> absolutely yeah for something, sure something <laughs> something oh man i look i'm glad that we did this because i've been like just waiting to talk about leon edwards and kamaru usman so we spent 50 minutes of this one hour and 20 minute podcast on <laughs> that main event and just everything surrounding it and it might not even have been enough will it probably even deserve more but yeah that's that's the reality 50 minutes and rightfully so a, a big chunk of this podcast had yeah. to have been about leon edwards and kamaru usman because uh it was it's legendary stuff that we're going to be talking about for years and years yeah. to come uh i mean like you said this was the greatest knockout in ufc history like this is going to be talked about uh at the end of the year for knockout of the year and into years to come like this story like you know i said francis and ganu's uh story could be a movie leon edwards story could be made into for a sure. movie like like this script is just crazy uh the fact that he overcame all that he overcame and then beat who he beat yeah. to become the champion. Like you, you can't write it any better than that. And like I said, it couldn't have happened to a better guy, a more deserving guy than Leon Edwards. So happy for him. He's getting his due. He's going to get his parade. Um, he's going to get a hero's welcome when he gets to, in the trilogy fight. 
and it is much, much deserved. All right, buddy, we will do it again next Tuesday. Along with Will Brewer, I'm Colby Daniels. Everybody have a great week. Podcast is over.